Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to Sandbox Radio Live. Coming up in this episode, our Halloween show, Chimes at Midnight, recorded in front of a live audience at the Bathhouse Theater in Seattle on October 30th, 2017. It features a piece from first-time contributor Kellyanne Conway Blanchard, the return of two of our favorite guests, Teresa Holmes and Ed Key, Marta Zikan from Classical King FM on sound effects, and more, with the Sandbox Radio players and music from the Sandbox Radio Orchestra led by our maestro and composer, Jose Juicy Gonzalez. So sit back, relax, and get ready for the spooky goodness of Sandbox Radio Chimes at Midnight. Sandbox Radio, we'll stay all day in the backyard, we'll play, jump into our Build castles and kings, and words become things. Sandbox Radio. Sandbox Radio. Sandbox Radio. Sandbox Radio. Good evening, and welcome to. in the heart of beautiful Rain City, Seattle. In tonight's episode, writing from Scott Augustin, Colleen Conway-Blanchard, Lisa Halpern, Peggy Platt, Wayne Raleigh, Edward Gorey, and Edgar Allan Poe. With musical guests, Teresa Holmes and Ed Key! Plus, all your favorite Sandbox Radio players, Radio Orchestra, led by our maestro and composer, Jose Juicy Gonzalez. So, sit back and relax as we take you into the world of Sandbox Radio Live. Sandbox Radio Having a life. You deserve one. Someday could be today. Okay, I'll try. You could try or you could do. Up to you, babe. Grandfather Clock by Lisa Halpern. Oh, you're right. It's not like there's ever any end to the work. It's not like once I finish this project, there will be a breather. That's what I'm saying. Here. I can't believe this costume still fits. 
You look dangerous, sexy, Count Dracula. I got all your faves. Snickers and baby roots. But of course. Zip me up. My second favorite job, unzipping being number one. You are very cute. I'm ready. You? Almost. Hurry up, they're gonna be here any minute. I can't get my wig to stay on. That's what bobby pins were invented for. Hold still. Better? Totally. Bobby pins. Such weird little doodads. But they work. You think they were invented by someone named Bobby? No. In fact, the bobby pin was invented by Louis Marcus. That you know this delights me. (laughs) Is there more, O knower of we treasures of info? But of course. The dude was a makeup manufacturer after World War I. His little hairpins became super popular just as the bob hairstyle got trendy. He thought about naming it after himself, but decided to name it Bobby, hoping to capitalize on the trendy hairdo. You never cease to amaze me. And capitalism is weird. Tell me something I don't know. What was that? I don't know. It sounded like a clock. Coming! Candy, bowl! How do I look? Awesome. Do it. Good evening! Welcome to the house of Transylvania! We are so happy to eat you! I mean, meet you! Uh, uh, uh. Mommy! I'm right here, baby! You guys all look so great! Wow! You can take two each. Uh, Thank you! Merry Christmas! Happy Halloween, sweetie! Happy Halloween! You too, cutie. (laughs) Oh my god. The little one in the Wonder Woman outfit. Be still my heart. I had a crush on the little Spock. Of course you did, my adorable little Trekkie. Okay. Okay, now seriously. What the hell? It sounds like a grandfather clock. I know, right? And I mean, it's not even midnight. Gordy, we don't have a grandfather clock. (laughs) Oh, right. What kind of clock do we have? No kind of clock. We have iPhones. <laughs> but that was definitely... Yep. In our house. Uh-huh. If this is a Halloween trick... It's not. You know I hate Halloween tricks. And April Fool's tricks. And we voted for this president but got that one instead oh. tricks. <laughs> you know, basically hate tricks. So unless this is you... Not me. I don't like him either. And there's something super creepy about that chime. Grandfathers are all sweet and cute and funny. They shuffle their feet and fix the washing machines. That's your grandfather. Not every grandfather. Okay, fine. But still, they could have picked a sweeter, more jovial sound, don't you think? Actually, it kind of sounds like the grandfather clock my grandfather had. Hmm. That's even weirder. I mean, really, why'd they even have to go and call it a grandfather clock? Well, if you must know. (laughs) Grandfather clocks are called that for the same reason MC Hammer Pants are called MC Hammer Pants. It's all about pop music. 
No way. Way. Oh, oh. Kids. It's just kids. Coming. I will tell your fortunes, my little darlings. I see many chocolate delights in your future. To each. Uh, uh, uh. Daddy, daddy. You got this, darling. Um, I don't like chocolate. We have something for everyone. You like starbursts, my yeah. little darling. Yes! Have fun! The crystal ball says, be kind to all people, oh. animals, and the planet, uh, okay. and you will grow up to be good person and have good life. Okay! Okay. okay. All right. uh, what do you say, you little bastards? Oh. Thank you! You're so welcome, little cuties! Okay, spill it. What? You said Grandfather Clock had something to do with pop music. What's the deal with that? Oh, well, in 1875, an American songwriter named Henry Work checked into a hotel in England. There was a large pendulum clock in the lobby that belonged to the hotel's previous owners, who both died. They say the clock stopped dead to the minute on the day the last surviving owner died. Creepy times a thousand. For real. But Mr. Work thought it was a great story, and he wrote a song about it called My Grandfather's Clock. The lyrics, they were about a clock that was taller than the old man himself and that stopped short never to go again when the old man died. He sold over a million copies in sheet music, and from then on, that style of clock was known as a grandfather clock. I find that really disturbing. Oh, oh my God. Okay, calm, calm. Must stay calm. It's just a clock. An angry ghost clock. All clocks are ghost clocks, if you think about it. What do you mean? I mean, they've gone the way of the dodo. Think of all those jobs that are going or have gone obsolete. Cobblers? Clockmakers? You know, my Grandpa Jack's brother Ralph had a clock shop. Really? Yeah. Grandma Pearl was married to Ralph, and they started the shop in New York in the 40s. And then Ralph died. How long after that did Grandpa Jack marry her? I think it was six months later. His wife Clara had died that same year. Kind of scandalous. No. It was beautiful. It made perfect sense. The four of them were best friends and had spent their lives together. It was so lucky that Grandpa Jack and Pearl had each other. They could grieve together because they both loved Ralph and Clara. And then they really fell in love with each other. They were married for 25 years themselves. Amazing. Time is weird. Time is a construct. Time to give out candy. What a year! Some delicious children! My favorite! Ah, ah, ah. You're doing great, Jojo! Enjoy the candy, little dumpling! Stay warm! Okay, so, I know this might sound weird, but do you think it's possible that the clock is trying to tell us something? Oh, okay. You're totally on to something. 
that was only one chime. So what could it be trying to tell us? That ghosts are real? Mm. Nope. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, maybe it's got something to do with time itself. <sighs> Have I mentioned how much I love you? Okay, time. What about it? We already know time is weird. That's not news. And time flies, but not until you're old enough to notice that. You know, Grandpa Jack came to visit every year. He was really awesome. And at some point during every visit, he'd say this one thing to me. Just like the time flies thing. It took me a long time to get it. What did he say? He'd say, my love, remember one thing. There's no time like the present. Your grandfather was a wise man. Hey, thanks for getting my head out of my ass and bringing me into the present. I like it here with you. Hey, you hear that? What? Exactly. Good night, Grandpa. Love you. Once upon a time, there was a lovely family inside and out, sturdy as a luxury liner. At the helm, steering their proud ship was Daddy. Daddy, a man like a wedge of cheese, a man of jowl and principle. Daddy by Colleen Conway Blanchard. And that's when we found him, eaten by the dog. You should not have said that, Bobby. It's true enough, though, isn't it? Dead on the john, Mama. And his ears chewed clean off. A mature person would have said, we regret that Daddy has passed. A mature adult-type person would have left out the disgusting details. No, Mother, no. Daddy's spirit lives on here, in all of us. Like a possession. (laughs) A haunting. Clarissa! We'll drag his spirit with us like a boulder nailed to our backs. He loved that dog! He kissed that dog on the mouth! I could have said ingested by his dog. Biscuit's a good dog! Shut up! Shut up! I don't want to remember Daddy that way. I want to think about him when he still had his hands and all of his nose. Oh, his nose! I want to talk at the funeral. I think you have proved yourself to be too much of a child, too unable to swallow the bad and spit back out the good. Oh, don't you call me no names. I'll call you a couple of names. I will do the speaking because I have the self-control. I will say, he was an American citizen of this country. He toiled. He liked meat boiled. He kept his hinges oiled. He is gone! What will we do, I wonder? He was always here, and now he won't be. It will be as though something is missing! Shut that 
dog up for Christ's sake. Oh, Biscuit just wants to say howdy. He's lonely as hell. He was holed up in that bathroom for four days until we found him. He's got some shit to get off his chest. I'm going to put that dog down. You try it, I'll stab you in the stomach. Take you all day to bleed to death. Come on, make your move. Mother, he's going to kill me. He's got a weapon. Children, gather. Put down your knife, honey. Your father knew this day would come. He knew that life was a finite gift, but that the love in families is eternal. So he, pre- he prepared for this day. Here is something he wanted you each to have. Oh, pens. Cross pens. I'm giving mine to my doll, Beatrice. Beatrice likes it. I'm not wasting mine sticking it down the neck of a stupid headless doll. Beatrice is only nearly headless. Here, Biscuit. Want to play fetch? Here you go, buddy. I love my pen. Bobby, Daddy never felt you measured up, you know. That's ass. He didn't. Well, he gave me the stupid pen, didn't he? That proved something. Watch your mouth. Have some respect for the dead. Some of us loved him, right, Clarissa? And in the dark, the monsters crawl. What? I'm talking to Beatrice. They crawl like water. They eat nothing but fingers while you sleep. They slide into your blankets. You don't hear them coming. They're silent. And when you wake up, the windows open. You look down, and your hands are bloody paws. You have to get hooks for your hands, and a patch, and a parrot. The monsters, they turn you into a pirate, send you to the sea. Yarr! To the gallows! Hey, 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 hey! How come you always have that doll anyway? Where's its head? It's not an it. It's a she. Her name is Beatrice. She has feelings. Where's her head? That's how she came. She doesn't need it. How does she eat? She sucks it in through her neck. Oh, show me. It's private. Clarissa, you are a grown person. You're too old to have a doll. Just because you don't think she's alive doesn't mean she isn't alive. She lives at night. Just leave her alone, Genevieve. Don't talk to me, criminal. You all make me sick. I feel sick. I'm getting a giant hive. All of you are giving me a hive. You smell like spit. Mother! I think we should have a moment of silence for Daddy. For For Daddy. Daddy. And in that moment, everybody remembered Daddy. Bobby, remember Daddy? You can't mix that shit, man. I'm telling you. Oh, this bong can purify. It's the bong of the gods. Baptize me. Suck it, man. You have to really hold it. I feel like puking. I'm going to puke big. I told you not to mix in all that paint thinner, man. You gotta do that shit after. Shut up. Do you hear something? It's my freaking father. Do I look stoned? Do I? Do I? Do I? Do I look stoned? Look at me. Look at me. Crap, I look stoned. I look totally stoned. Look at my head, man. 
My head is huge. It's huge. <laughs> You'll know. You'll totally know. Oh. Jesus Christ. They'll send me to that military academy. Right on. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay, now do I look stoned? Look at me. I look okay, right? If I turn sideways, I look fine. <laughs> hey, Dad. Genevieve remembered Daddy. I hurt myself in gym class mm. on the tetherball net. Mm. I think there's a dent in my eye. Mm. So the nurse said I could come home because mm. I'm allergic to the smell of the tumbling mats. Mm. They make my ear bleed. Mm. And then I could have those fits again. Mm. And you said, Daddy, you Daddy, you mm. said if I have the fits again, you're going to take me out of school mm. because that's not good for people to be seeing. My fits are private, mm. right? Right? Do you want to see where I got bit by this boy during study hall? I had to have a shot for that. Daddy? Daddy? Do you want, do you want me to get you a martini? Dry with three olives? Daddy? Mother remembered Daddy. At night, he was so quick like a jackrabbit. I think it's nice he gets it done. He doesn't muck around with a lot of that wet stuff like in those silly movies. Mm -hmm. He's efficient. Mm. Sometimes I don't even notice. I go right on eating chocolates Mm. or reading my home journal Mm -hmm. and boom, he's all done. Mm. Zipped up in his sleep. Mm. Mm -hmm. He makes these noises Mm. like a kitten while he sleeps. Mm -hmm. It hurts my ears. Mm. Mm. So A lot of times while he's sleeping, Mm -hmm. I'll pinch him hard under Mm. the armpit. Pinch and twist. Mm -hmm. And he'll stop making those noises. Mm. We've been married for 37 years. I always said I'd marry a man named Harold, and I just went right ahead and did. Mm. (laughs) Clarissa remembered Daddy. I know he does, Beatrice. What if he eats everything and there's nothing left for us? I don't like that, Daddy. I don't either. I wish we could get a new Daddy. A smaller Daddy who would not get mashed potatoes in his mustache. A Daddy that did not unbuckle his pants after dinner. Find a daddy that would buy us all of the hamsters we need. But Beatrice, the hamsters never last. Hamsters and snakes can be mated. I think they can. Mm. I wonder, how could we get a new daddy? Well, we'd have to get rid of the old one first. We would. (laughs) Wouldn't we? Daddy? Are you in there? I made you a cupcake. You should eat it real fast. Oh, 
good boy, Biscuit. Give me the pen. Give me the pen. Good boy. Mother, hmm? how come you didn't notice Daddy was in the bathroom all that time? I don't know, honey. He was like that. Sometimes we'd be in the same room for hours and I'd just plumb forget he was there. Then he'd snort and spit in that handkerchief and I'd think, oh yeah, there he is. Once upon a time, there was a lovely family, inside and out, sturdy as a luxury liner. At the helm, steering their proud ship was Daddy. Daddy, a man like a wedge of cheese, a man of jowl and principle. Congratulations to our sponsor, the 1448 Projects, on their recent People's Choice Award at the Gregory Awards for Theater of the Year. Producers of 1448, the world's quickest theater festival, Theater Anonymous, and many more social theatrical events in Seattle, the 1448 Projects has premiered over 800 new works and forged lasting relationships throughout the artistic community since 1997. Coming up next, keep your eye out for their annual Theater Anonymous production of It's a Wonderful Life on December the 9th at the Cornish Playhouse. For more information and to see about upcoming productions, visit www the1448projects.org In the year 1644, the Dutch philosopher and cheesemonger Josephex van Kluzak wrote, You can tell the health of a city by how fat and happy her rats are. When you can hear the rats laughing loudly at midnight and midday, all is well. Welcome to Sandbox Radio's Vermin Notes, where we check in with the critters that share your world. In Seattle, you are never farther than three feet from a rat. There is probably one in your purse right now. A rat's favorite foods are whole grains, Cool Ranch flavored Doritos, and human infants. But given a choice, a rat will always choose cocaine over food. This is the sound of a happy rat. This is the sound of an angry rat. Rats are born pregnant and often give birth in the nests of birds. A mother bird can't tell the difference between her own eggs and a baby rat. Or maybe she can and she just doesn't care. Rats are actually the juvenile or larval stage of the raccoon. Rats have a venom-filled stinger on the end of their whip-like tails. Rats love to hide in wigs. A rat isn't picky, whether orthodox Jewish woman or drag queen. 
Rats were a delicacy during the Regency period. Mmm, delicious. You've been listening to Vermin Notes. Thanks for joining us. And rats away. Radio. It is the sentence of this court that you be taken from here to a place of execution and there hanged by the neck until you are dead. May God have mercy upon your soul. For the wild narrative I am about to relate, I neither expect nor solicit belief. Hereafter, perhaps, some intellect may be found which will reduce my phantasm to the commonplace. Some intellect more calm, more logical, and far less excitable than my own. But today, I would unburden my soul, for tomorrow, I die. From my infancy, I was noted for the docility and humanity of my disposition. I was especially fond of animals and was indulged by my parents with a great variety of pets. There is something in the unselfish and self-sacrificing love of an animal which goes directly to the heart of him who has had frequent occasion to test the paltry friendship and gossamer fidelity of mere man. When I married, I was happy to find my wife a disposition not uncongenial with my own, and she lost no opportunity of procuring pets of the most agreeable kind. Birds, goldfish, a fine dog. And most especially... A cat. <laughs> a cat. 
This latter was a remarkably large and beautiful animal, entirely black and sagacious to an astonishing degree. He's so intelligent, don't you find? I wonder. They say all black cats are witches in disguise. (laughs) Not that I believe it myself. (laughs) My wife at heart was not a little tinctured with superstition. Pluto! (laughs) That was the cat's name. My favorite pet and playmate. I alone fed him. He attended me wherever I went about the house. It was even with difficulty that I could prevent him from following me through the streets. (laughs) No, 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 Pluto. Stay inside. That's right. Our friendship lasted in this manner for several years during which my general temperament and character experienced a radical alteration for the worse. Through the instrumentality, I blush to confess it, of the fiend intemperance. Edgar, dearest, what's the matter? Leave me alone. But darling, I just... Please, don't go out tonight. So much drink isn't good for you. Oh, you bore me. Dear, please. Harpy! I suffered myself to offer my innocent wife such horrible treatment as my disease grew upon me. For what disease is like alcohol? Even Pluto began to experience the effects of my ill temper. One night... Returning home much intoxicated from one of my haunts about town, I fancied that the cat avoided my presence. I seized him. He inflicted a wound upon my hand with his teeth. The fury of a demon instantly possessed me. I knew myself no longer a more than fiendish malevolence. Gin nurtured, thrilled every fiber of my frame. I took from the desk drawer a penknife, grasped the poor beast by the throat, and deliberately cut one of its eyes from its socket. I experienced a sentiment half of horror, half of remorse. But it was, at best, a feeble and equivocal feeling. My soul remained untouched. I again plunged into excess, soon drowning in wine all memory of the deed. One morning, in cool blood, I slipped a noose about the creature's neck and hung it from the limb of a tree. Hung it! with tears streaming from my eyes and with the bitterest remorse in my heart hung it because I knew that it had loved me and because I felt it had given me no reason of offense hung it because I knew that in so doing I would jeopardize my immortal soul as to place it if such a thing were possible even beyond the reach of the infinite mercy of God then that very night Edgar, mm. Edgar, dearest, wake mm. up. What? Well, what is it? What's, what's wrong? The smoke. Oh, oh, God. The bed curtains. Oh, hurry. Hurry, hurry, run, run, run. Try not to breathe. Just run. Well, we must save the animals. Where is Pluto? Oh, oh, oh hurry, my dear, please. Go. The, the stairs are, are burning. Oh, oh my oh, God. Oh, 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 the whole house was blazing. Oh, my God. 
It was with great difficulty that we made our escape. The destruction was complete. My entire worldly wealth was swallowed up. And I resigned myself thenceforward to despair. Our house in ruins. What will we do? The walls had fallen in, excepting one, which stood about the middle of the house. About this wall, a dense crowd were collected. And many persons seemed to be examining a particular portion of it with very minute and eager attention. Look at that! How strange! What is it? The marks on the plaster! Yes! As if graven in relief upon the white surface, with an accuracy truly marvelous, the figure of a gigantic cat. Heavens, there's a rope about the animal's neck. For months, I, I, I could not rid myself of the phantom of the cat. I went so far as to regret the loss of the animal, looking about me among the vile haunts which I now habitually frequented, for another pet of the same species and of somewhat similar appearance with which to supply its place. (laughs) (laughs) One night, as I sat half stupefied in a den of more than infamy, my attention was suddenly drawn to some black object reposing atop one of the immense hogsheads of gin. Well, hello. Where did you come from? It was black, very large, fully as large as Pluto, and closely resembling him in every respect. Upon my touching him, he immediately arose, purred loudly, and rubbed against my hand. As the denizens of the bar made no claim to it, and it seemed disposed to accompany me, I permitted it to do so, occasionally stooping and patting it as I proceeded home. How wonderful of you. Thank you. Doesn't he remind you of dear old Pluto? For indeed, like Pluto, it also had been deprived of one of its eyes. This circumstance endeared it to my wife. Poor thing. How sad. But its affliction and its evident fondness for myself rather disgusted and annoyed me. Soon I came to look upon it with unutterable loathing and to flee silently from its odious presence. But with my aversion, the creature's partiality for myself seemed to increase. It followed my footsteps, crouched beneath my chair, or covered me with its loathsome caresses. If I arose to walk, it would get between my feet and thus near me throw me down, or, or fastening its long and sharp claws in my clothes, clamor up in this manner to my breast. I longed to destroy it. Edgar, what is the matter? Oh, nothing, dear. Nothing, nothing. The feeble remnant of the good within me succumbed. Evil thoughts became my sole intimates. Hatred of all things and all mankind. I now blindly abandon myself to sudden, frequent, and ungovernable outbursts of fury. 
Edgar? What? What what do you want? Forgive me, I can see that you're unwell. Oh, for for God's sake, what is it? Might you help me bring the coal up from the cellar? Oh, very well. Then will you leave me be? Of course, of course. As we descended into the cellar of the old building which our poverty compelled us to inhabit, the cat followed, nearly throwing me headlong. Damn it! This will fix you! Edgar, for God's sake, put down the axe! I'm going to rid myself of this monster once and for all! Spare the poor beast! It means you no harm! Loose my arm, woman! Please don't! Let me go, damn you! She fell dead upon the spot without a groan, the axe buried in her brain. I set myself forthwith and with entire deliberation to the task of concealing the body. I knew that I could not remove it from the house, either by day or by night, without the risk of being observed by the neighbors. Many projects entered my mind, cutting the corpse into minute fragments and destroying them by fire, packing it in a box as if merchandise with the usual arrangements, and so getting a porter to take it from the house. Finally, I hit upon it. Wall it up in the cellar, as the monks of the Middle Ages are recorded to have done to their victims. With a crowbar, I dislodged the bricks and deposited the body against the inner wall, carefully plastering over the new brickwork so it could not be distinguished from the old. Now, to rid myself of the beast which has caused so much wretchedness, here, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Pluto! Pluto! But he was gone. As the days passed, I breathed as a free man. The monster had fled. My happiness was supreme. The guilt of my dark deed disturbed me but little. Some few inquiries were made. But nothing was discovered. I looked upon my future felicity as secured. (laughs) Good day, sir. Sorry to disturb. Oh, not at all, Sergeant. What may I do for you? I believe I've already answered all of your questions. Again, I apologize, sir. But we've a warrant to search the house one last time. Shouldn't take a moment. (laughs) Of course. Would you mind showing us about, sir? Shall we begin in the cellar? I was secure in the inscrutability of my place of concealment. (laughs) I quivered not a muscle. My heart beat calmly as that of one who slumbers in innocence. Nothing odd here, Sergeant. Indeed. Well, sir, we are satisfied there is nothing of concern. Again, forgive the intrusion. Of course. (laughs) but the glee at my heart was too strong to be restrained. I burned through the mere frenzy of bravado to save but one word by way of triumph. Gentlemen, I am delighted to have allayed your suspicions. This is a very well-constructed house. Yes, it seems so. I may say an excellently well-constructed house. 
You are fortunate in such a house, sir. Mm. Well, we will see ourselves out. Are you going, gentlemen? These walls are solidly put together. See here. What the devil? Oh, 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 heaven, heaven protect me. Heaven protect me. Heaven give me the right page. May God shield and deliver me from the fangs of the archfiend. Mercy on us. What is that? Whatever it is, it's behind that wall. Pull it down! Yes, sir. Look! This plaster is fresh! See how easily it comes apart! Yes, oh. yes! Oh, 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 God! Sir, are you ill? God defend us. The corpse, already greatly decayed and clotted with gore, stood erect before us. Upon its head, with red extended mouth and solitary eye of fire, sat the hideous beast whose craft had seduced me into murder and whose informing voice had consigned me to the hangman. <laughs> I had walled up the monster within the tomb. <laughs>
on the trombone. You're listening to our 2017 Halloween episode, Chimes at Midnight. Subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and Stitcher and help other people find us by leaving a rating or a review. It really does help. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates on everything we're doing at Sandbox Radio. And don't miss our final live show of the year, Sandbox Radio Snowflakes, recording live on December 29th at ACT Theater in Seattle. Tickets available now online at acttheater.org. Now back to Chimes at Midnight and the Gashley Crumb Tinies by Edward Gorey. for Amy, who fell down the stairs. La, 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 la. Whoops. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. B is for Basil, assaulted by bears. Ooh, what's in here? Hello? Hello? <laughs> C is for Clara, who wasted away. for Desmond, thrown out of a sleigh. Yeah! Whee! Whoa! E is for Ernest, who choked on a peach. F is for Fanny, sucked dry by a leech. G is for George, smothered under a rug. H is for Hector, done in by a thug. Hey, kid. I is for Ida, who drowned in a lake. J is for James, who took lie by mistake. Uh Uh-oh. K is for Kate, who was struck with an axe. L is for Leo, who swallowed some tacks. Mm-hmm. M is for Maud, who was swept out to sea. Ah! N is for Neville, who died of ennui. A few more. O is for Olive, run through with an awl. Ow! P is for Prue, trampled flat in a brawl. Q is for Quentin, who sank in a mire. Help me! Help me! R is for Rhoda, consumed by a fire. Ooh, matches. (laughs) Hot, 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 hot
is for Susan, who perished of fits. <laughs> T is for Titus, who flew into bits. <laughs> U is for Una, who slipped down a drain. V is for Victor, squashed under a train. Will somebody untie me? <laughs> Will somebody untie me, please? <laughs> please? Oh, never mind. <laughs> w is for Winnie, embedded in ice. X is for Xerxes, devoured by mice. Y is for Yorick, whose head was knocked in. And lastly, Z is for Zilla, who drank too much gin. Dr. Skarnson, thank you so much for seeing me on such short notice. Please, call me Trisha. I like to keep things informal. Okay. So, Judy, sit, get comfortable, take a breath, relax, and tell me why you are here. Well, Dr. Trisha... Just Trisha. Trisha, I hope this doesn't sound silly. If it's bothering you, it's not silly. Lately, I've felt so lost and anxious disconnected. Sometimes I can barely focus on the simplest task. I find myself on the verge of tears for no reason. Oh, Judy, I'm sorry. Is this all new? Yes, well, newish. Started about three months ago. Hmm. Were there any big changes for you at that time? Yes. Now that you mention it, that's right about when I died. <laughs> Mythical Kingdoms and Long Lost Dogs by Scott Augustson. Death can be a very stressful time. I just don't want to be one of those women who blames all of her problems on being dead. Sounds like you're just being awfully hard on yourself. 
It's funny, the first few days were sort of refreshing, something new. And then I'm walking down the street and I hear... Judith Ruth! Mom! Oh, Judith, your hair! Really, bangs? You don't have the face for it. Mom, everyone calls me Judy. Judy, I swear. I give you a beautiful name like Judith Ruth, and you pick Judy. Judy's a tramp's name. How's Dad? I'm the wrong person to ask. I've heard he's got a girlfriend. Parents are hard. I had really adjusted to not having her in my life, and then boom, she's back, part of my death. How about those practical things? Do you have a place to stay? Yeah, there's this living fellow from Hungary who's the night watchman over at the smelt cannery. I sleep in his bed at night, and when he comes home, I go to the library or the movies. Sounds like a comfortable haunting. I'm finding it depressing to see everyone I know. I forget they can't hear me. I'll jabber on and wait for a response that doesn't come. Tissue. Thanks. Oh, and Clyde's dating again. Does that seem soon? I mean, I don't want him to be alone, Clyde. but... Clyde was your husband? Boyfriend. I... I'm not proud, but I eavesdropped. You look beautiful. You remind me of... Oh, I'm sorry. I promised myself I'd keep everything light. Oh, Clyde. <laughs> Shh. It's okay. <laughs> I get it. Thanks for understanding. <laughs> Clyde is using my death to get laid. That is so Clyde. <laughs> so, Judy, what's really troubling you? This is going to sound trivial, but... I had always thought I would retire in Boca Raton. I never got to go. Why not go now? It's not a rule that you have to stick around. Judy, there are no rules. Nobody's keeping track. Nobody's in charge. You want to go to Florida? Go to Florida. I can just hop on an airplane? Uh, actually, security is pretty tight on airplanes. They're really strict about the dead. Mm, maybe try a Greyhound bus. I think I will. I have nothing to lose, literally. Not a damn thing. <laughs> The bus to Boca Raton is now boarding Bay 23, Bay 23, two points south. This is exciting. <laughs> Excuse me, um, is this seat taken? No, please sit. Thank you. I know there are other seats on the bus, but I much prefer the company of the dead than the living. <laughs> I have a confession. I am still learning to tell the difference. I get mixed up. Well, how long have you been dead? Three months. Oh, that's so recent. I'm Maxine. Judy. I haven't taken a breath since Roosevelt was president. Uh -huh. uh, before you ask Franklin, not Teddy. I'm not that dead. I have so much to learn. Just go about your business. That's what it all boils down to. The living, the dead, people, animals, subatomic particles, everyone and everything going about their business. I'm going to Boca Raton. Of all the places in the world, why Boca Raton? Boca is like Fresno or Reno or Burien. When I was young, my brother and I had a babysitter named Karen. She did my astrology chart. Ooh, so. You have a lot of air. See, your sun is in Libra, but also your Mars and Venus are in Aquarius. 
and your moon is in Gemini. You'd think your destiny is in the clouds, but look, Mercury, sneaky Mercury, is in Pisces, hidden water. What does that mean? Have you heard about the lost kingdom of Atlantis? No, I haven't. Look, before I tell you, you have to know that I am pretty sure that you were a princess of Atlantis in another life. A princess of Atlantis? Yeah, it's horseshit. And Karen was probably a stoner. Probably. But Karen told me that the last remaining portal to Atlantis was in Florida, Boca Raton, which means the gateway of mermaids. I know, it's silly, but... Oh! Look, that, that woman we just passed on the roadside fruit stand. I'm sure it was Karen. That happens a lot when you're dead. You talk about somebody and boom, there they are. I miss being cold. I used to love to pull my sweater in close or lean over a cup of hot tea. There's a lot to miss if you let it. Memory can be sticky, like honey but salty instead of sweet. Oh, the bus is stopping, but this isn't Florida. No, but you want to get out and stretch those pretty legs of yours. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is nice. That bus was cramped like being in a coffin with 30 other people, right? I wouldn't know I was cremated. Oh, you modern girl, so lucky with your cremations and natural burials. My body is moldering in the family crypt back in Rhode Island. What's that building across the way? The fools rush in. Want to get a room? Does that mean the same thing when you're dead as it does when you're alive? <laughs> yes, it does, gorgeous. All right. <laughs> Just a minute, hold your horses, be right there. Hello, ladies, what can I do for you? Do you have a room that no one has died in? Let me check. <clears throat> Number 11 had the heart attack for that traveling salesman. 4 had the overdose right before the war. Number 8, the murder, of course. Uh, 6 had that funny string of suicides in the 50s. A streak of them. <gasps> 23... No, no, that was that business with the twins. Ah, number 17, that's the ticket. Drop the key back here when you're done. Oh, it's nice. I thought it might be a dump. Hey, would I take you to a dump? It's nicer than where I lost my living virginity. Uh, let me guess. Basement rec room. Bingo. <laughs> Complete with wood paneling, a foosball table, and a black and white TV. <laughs> so, how is sex different when you're dead? I could tell you, but it's probably easier for me to show you. Morning, Maxine. Hey, morning, Sunbeam. 
That was a wild night. Not what I expected. There are perks to this shadowy existence. <laughs> oh, Judy, look at you. What? Go look in the mirror. Oh, I'm glowing. Sort of blue. Is, is that normal? No, and oh, that's impossible. What's impossible? 110% impossible. What? Julie, you're pregnant. No. I have gone through menopause. Looks like you went through and out the other side. Plus, I'm dead. Plus, we're both women. All of that adds up to... A baby? It can't. All roads lead to a bun in the oven. Trisha Skarnson's office. Trisha, it's Judy. Oh, hi, Judy. Are you in Boca? No, I'm at a motel in South Carolina and I'm pregnant. What? I met some smooth-talking dead lady on the bus and now I'm pregnant. Did you use protection? I didn't know dead people got pregnant. Well, they don't, usually. So maybe I'm not really pregnant? No, you sound pregnant. (laughs) What do I do? Well, I can't tell you what to do with your death, but you were in the middle of a trip to Boca Raton. Why not keep going? Yeah, that's what I'll do. Send a postcard. I took a train the rest of the way. I tucked myself behind some luggage in case there were any other dead people on the train. At one point, a dead Great Dane wandered up and licked my hand. I got off the train, and I went to the sea. Hey, Judy! Karen? Karen the babysitter? Yeah. You look exactly the same. What happened to you? I dropped acid and walked in front of a freight train. I'm sorry. That's so sad. Oh, that was 40 years ago. It's not sad anymore. There's something that puzzles me. There has to be more dead people than living, but it seems like we should see more of them. They should be everywhere, but it seems sparse. I hadn't thought about that. So many weird things about being dead. Why can we smell things but not taste them? And how did you get pregnant? Is it possible that people only stay around for a little while after death and then go someplace new? Mm, I dated a Roman gladiator for a while. And I'm pen pals with a lady who made Ming vases. She now runs a shelter for pets who are waiting for their humans to die. Is Atlantis out there? Sure. This is Boca Raton, the gateway of mermaids. When I was eight, you used to tell me we were all one with the universe. Yeah, I did say that, didn't I? (laughs) But I was wrong. Kind of the opposite. Even the universe isn't one with the universe. Go figure. Karen... Karen? Where did she go? Roof. Huh? Oh, you're that dead dog from the train. Roof. 
my grandmother had a Great Dane. Sarge? Roof. Hey, boy! Roof. Death. Not what you expect. I was never a princess. Atlantis was a lie. Heaven was a lie. Reincarnation was a lie. Oblivion was a lie. The last thing I expected was to spend the afterlife as a single mother in Florida. It's October, and time to think about Frost on the Pumpkins, hot apple cider, children dressed as hobos or a princess, and of course, the zombie apocalypse. Much of the time we leave ourselves unprepared. Too much candy corn, not enough Snickers. Snickers! Forgetting to add antifreeze to the family car, or the simple precaution of keeping a baseball bat or tire iron by the front door for brain whacking. <laughs> we only need to look to films and TV to see the zombie population is on the rise. <laughs> did you see how I did that? Rise? <laughs> we know now, despite the massive government cover-up, the causes of zombies are a rampant misuse of chemical preservatives, overprescribed drugs and pesticides, a food source tainted by steroids, ah. antibiotics, ah. and more pesticides. Ah. And the election of Donald J. Trump. Love it. Some may be asking, why the zombie spike in the fall? It's the elections and the politician zombies they bring. Zombies, fueled by a need for power, greed, and the compulsion to hear themselves talk. Since 45 became president, the U.S. is thick with this political blight on humanity, and we must be vigilant. When giving candy, be prepared with plenty of the good stuff and a chainsaw at the ready. My, don't you all look scary? Build the wall! Ah. Oh my! Make America great again! Ah. Whoa, ho, ho! Now that one does look scary. We better head off that zombie horde with plenty of head removal tools at the ready, stashed discreetly like this prepared mom. Here you go. <sighs> now, where was I? Who needs sugar-free? And are there any peanut allergies? I don't like chocolate. Halloween doesn't have to be really scary if we remember to keep our heads... This has not been a public service message announcement by ZombieGeekWatch.org or the League of Women Voters. (laughs) 
ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jose Juicy Gonzalez. Burn. 
in the desert If I had you by my side I could be a king, dear, uncrowned Humble or poor, rich nothing I couldn't do if I had you In other news, Sandbox Radio has big plans to ring in the new year at Act Theater in Seattle with a brand new show, Snowflakes, featuring guest Sarah Rudinoff on December 29th, but we won't make it into the new year without you. Make a tax-deductible donation at sandboxradio.org, or even better, become a sustaining donor of Sandbox Radio by signing up to make a monthly contribution through Patreon. You can be a patron of Sandbox Radio for as little as $5 a month. Let me tell you, every dollar makes a difference. Patrons receive exclusive access to content, special discounts on tickets, and more. Just go to patreon.com slash sandboxradio. That's Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron today. Every penny, every dollar, every thousand dollar check goes to creating upcoming shows, and thank you for the life support. Okay, so everyone here are the ones who have not been murdered. That's right, Kenny. There's no one else, Kenny. We are it, man. Camp Lake Sunny Lake by Wayne Raleigh. Okay, we're sure about this. We're sure there aren't any other non-murdered counselors currently in camp. I'm sorry. Have you not been paying attention, man? Don't get mad at Kenny, Reefer. Yeah, Reefer. Don't get mad at Kenny. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Jenny. You're supposed to be head counselor. Have you not noticed the fairly intense bloodbath that's been taking place out there this evening? Maybe I should do another round robin. You don't need to do another round robin, man. There isn't anybody left, okay? Well, what about Swipowitz? Him and Nancy Dalmucci were snorting cocaine naked in bunk C, and they got sawed in half. With a chainsaw. Why naked? We have a chainsaw? There was one in the shed. 
How about Lusty Lucy? Ice hook through the face while touching herself in the shower. Nimrod? Hacked up with a machete after watching Lusty Lucy get an ice hook to the face through a people he drilled in the shower. A machete? What possible purpose would a machete have at a summer camp? I mean, the hiking trails here are perfectly maintained by the Park Service. There were four of them hanging in the shed. Next to the ice hooks. I'm sorry, what shed? Where exactly is the shed? Yeah, man, why do we have a shed full of tools that are completely unnecessary to the maintenance and upkeep of the campgrounds, and yet can be used as incredibly lethal weapons? Good question, Reefer. What do we have ice hooks for? This isn't South Boston in the late 1800s. We have a machine that makes tiny little ice cubes. As many as we want. What about Todd? Todd? Who's Todd? You know, Todd. Walk around most of the time without a shirt on for some unexplained reason. He looks a lot like a young Kevin Bacon. I thought that was Kevin Bacon. I'm pretty sure he said his name was Todd. Well, he was in the top bunk looking at a dirty magazine, and he had his Sony Walkman on, so he didn't know someone was in the bottom bunk, and he got run through with a spear. A spear? Okay. So hard that the spear went up through the mattress, through his abdomen, through the dirty magazine, and actually lifted him up off the mattress where he hung there for a moment before he slowly slid back down the spear with blood spurting out of his mouth. And this spear came from... The, the shed. shed. Sure, why not? Gotta keep the spear somewhere. Might as well keep him in the shed. I'm scared, Kenny. What are we gonna do, Kenny? Hold on a second, girls. We just need to reason this out. The hell we do? We need to get out of here! Hear me out, Reefer. Now, it would appear that someone is systematically violently murdering all of the teenage camp counselors at Camp Lake Sunny Lake. Oh my god, no shit. Hear him out, Reefer. Yeah, hear him out, Reefer. But why would somebody want to go and do such a terrible thing? It just doesn't make any sense. Okay, think. Was there ever a time when the camp was recently reopened after being closed for 20 years because a boy drowned in the lake when all the counselors were having a sex and drugs party and not paying proper attention to the campers? Uh, Let me think. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, dude. Yes. You guys. That is now. The camp just reopened. After 20 years, it's been open a week. Well, there you go. So... Then what do all of the murdered counselors have in common? They were all either exploring their blossoming sexuality in some fashion or experimenting with mind-altering substances. Right. They were doing something immoral and thus deserved to die horribly and violently. Well, I guess we know who's going to be next, Debbie. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? It means you're a big slut. So you're next. I'm not a big slut. Um, everyone who's been balls deep in Debbie's blossoming oh. sexuality, please chime in. Me! Me? Me! I'm not the biggest slut. The biggest slut is dead, Debbie. You're the next biggest slut, Debbie. Jenny, I'm sorry, Debbie, you're the next biggest slut. Well, Reefer's a bake. Weed is not immoral. It's a plant. You're a druggie, plus... You're a whiner, which we haven't talked about, but which also means you are definitely going to be next. Yeah, whiners always get it, and everyone is kind of relieved. Um, you're both sluts, so I've got plenty of time to light this J before anything happens to me. Uh, I wouldn't smoke drugs right now. Bite me. I'm not a slut. I'm bookish. 
I wear glasses and read books. I'm smart because I read books and wear glasses. It's probably going to be me that goes head-to-head with this demonic monstrosity. Right. She's right. And maybe me too. Probably just me. You never know is all I'm saying. Look, why don't we just leave? Leave? Leave camp? Yes! Leave freaking camp! Be serious. How do we leave camp? The car! We have a car! It's in the parking lot! It's raining. Who gives a shit if it's raining? Uh, Yeah, it's raining. It's really stormy, Reaper. (laughs) It's raining really hard. I think we should stay together. Yeah? Well, screw you, screw you, and you. I'm out! I called it. All right, here's a question. I'm not sure if it's relevant, but how on earth did a guy named Reefer ever get hired to be a children's camp counselor? Uh, I'm bored. I think we should dance. Really? Yeah, come on. We're scared. We're on edge. There's a crazed killer on the loose. We need to shake it off. We should turn on some rock and roll music and dance. I don't think we should turn on some rock and roll music. Come on. Rock and roll music! Stop dancing! Don't dance! I don't think it's a good idea! Please stop! Come on, Kenny, dance with us! Oh, please stop dancing! I'm gonna go dance over here into this empty room! No, don't do that! That's a bad idea! Here I go! Jenny, come with me! Okay! Jenny, stay here! Debbie, don't! Don't. Just stop. Just stop dancing. Don't dance. Just everybody stop dancing. Just let's all hold perfectly still. No dancing. No moving. You saved my life. No talking. No talking, please. Do you want to make out? What? No! Absolutely not! Kenny, I know we've just been friends for a long time, but... Oh, no! No, don't! Don't. Please don't take off your glasses. I'm taking off my glasses. Oh, please don't take your ponytail out and shake your hair down until it cascades sexually around your face. I'm taking out my ponytail and shaking my hair down until it cascades sexually around my face. Oh, no. Not good. I've wanted you for so long. Please make love to me in this other room. Okay. Not the shirt. Not the shirt. Please. I'm taking off my shirt. Please, don't go into the other room without a shirt on, please! My shirt is off, and I'm only in my bra now, in this other room where it's dark! Hi, I'm Joshua. Hi, Joshua. Nice mask. 
Thanks. Is this where I can mail the letter home? Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> right over there. I love camp. <clears throat> uh, where did you get that thing? You can check them out of the shed. Right. <laughs> right. Um, is this about that sex and drugs party they had like 20 years ago while you were out and drowning in the lake? Yeah. Man, I, I wish I could take that whole thing back. Yeah. What are you thinking? Right now? Yeah. I can't help myself. I know. I'm thinking about Jenny without her shirt on. Yep. Radio, Leslie Law. And please, give it up for Teresa Holmes and Ed Key. And our special guest, Maven, on sound effects from Classical King FM, Marta Zika. The Sandbox Radio Orchestra was Dan Tierney on drums, Dave Pascal on the bass, Dave Marriott on trombone, and on the keys our maestro and composer, Jose Juicy Gonzalez. Midnight was written by Scott Augustin, Colleen Conway Blanchard, Edward Gorey, Lisa Halpern, Edgar Allan Poe, and in the house tonight, Wayne Raleigh! With original music by Jose Juicy Gonzalez and Ed Key. Big thanks to the Seattle Public Theater team for hosting, especially Kelly Kitchens, Annie LaRoe, and to the amazing staff and crew here at the Bass House. Maria Mann is up there at the booth! were Shigeko Kolos Nakano and Shelby Lausnizer. And the show was mixed by Luke Carwald and recorded by Brian Moynihan up there in the back. So Rebecca has our lyric cards. 
because now's the time in the show when we always love you guys to sing along. Newbies, don't be shy, strong and wrong. I think you've picked up the tune. Ready? Here we go. It's really was recorded in front of a live audience at the Bathhouse Theater in Seattle on October 30th, 2017. The episode was written by Scott Augustin, Colleen Conway Blanchard, Edward Gorey, Lisa Halpern, and Wayne Raleigh. Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Black Cat, was adapted for the show by yours truly. The show was sound engineered by Luke Carewald, recorded by Brian Moynihan, and this podcast was mixed by Dave Pascal. Our stage managers were Shigeko Kalas Nakano, Shelby Lautzenheiser and Lizzie Burton, with technical direction by Maria Manis from Seattle Public Theater. I'm Leslie Law, and on behalf of my co-producer Richard Zyman and all of us here at Sandbox Radio, happy holidays, and see you at ACT Theater on December 29th. Thanks for listening.